the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We've got a show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we will be speaking with Michael Miller from the New York JCRC, that's the Jewish Community Relations Council. We'll be talking about the recent assassination of Qassam Soleimani and the Solidarity March, which will be taking place against anti-Semitism in New York City the weekend of on Sunday, January 5th. The portion of the week, which we'll be talking about in the second half hour of the show, is the portion of Vayechi. We're at the end of the book of Genesis, Jacob's passing. Oh, my goodness. We've got a wonderful assortment of music throughout the show. A great story at the end. Before we do a really great story at the end. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. Israeli border police arrested 56 Palestinians from Hebron as they tried to cross into Israel. A Palestinian team tried to stab Israeli soldiers at the Gush Etzion Junction. A soldier shot him in the leg. The teen was taken to Shari Tzedek Hospital in moderate condition. A Frenchman who quoted the Quran as he killed Sarah Halimi in 2017 in Paris will not stand trial, the court said, as he was too high on marijuana to control himself. The decision is being contested. Anti-Semitics this week in New York City, a Hasidic man in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, was punched in the throat and pushed to the ground. Two men threatened a Jewish man in Flatbush, Brooklyn, with a knife. A woman was charged three times in five days for assaulting Jews in Brooklyn. 
New York's new bail law allowed the woman back on the streets without any bail. The woman is now being held in a psychiatric facility. New York City will launch three initiatives to combat anti-Semitism, a bigger police presence in Jewish neighborhoods, civilian watchdog groups, and educating school children. In other news, 71-year-old Joseph Newman remains in a coma and suffers permanent brain damage during the attack at a Hanukkah party in Muncie two weeks ago. Four others were taken to hospital and released. The assailant was arrested, charged with five counts of attempted murder and hate crimes. He was denied bond. Israel, some good news. Israel's offshore gas field went into production this week, sending natural gas to Egypt. The offshore fields could make Israel the third largest natural gas exporters in the world. And finally, Israel's population grew by 2% to 9.14 million in 2019. And that's the news. Some of the best jobs in the world are in the radio and television industry, and you too can join the workforce in as little as eight months when you complete your hands-on training at the Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts located in Southfield, Michigan. At Spex Howard School, students get to play and learn at the same time. Imagine spending your class time behind the microphone, spinning music and hosting your own radio show, or designing and lighting a set for your own TV program, running a camera, learning to edit, directing a program, when you go to Specs, your day will be anything but dull. And if school is this fun, imagine how exciting it is to work in the growing industry. In addition, the credits you earn while attending Specs Howard School are currently accepted at 14 area colleges and universities. If you've always wanted the best job in the world, call for a tour of Specs Howard School at 248 358 9000. That's 248 358 9000. Or visit them on the web at specshoward.edu. Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts. This is where you start. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. We're on the line with Michael Miller, who is the director of the Jewish Community Relations Council in New York City. They're one of the organizers of a massive walk and rally on the Sunday, January 5th in New York City. I'm not going to be there. It's a little bit hard to walk to. But and we'll also be talking about the recent occurrences that happened with the assassination of General Qassam Soleimani. How are you today, Michael? Thank God. How are you? Thank God. Thank you for uh, coming on the show and taking up some time. We know things are really busy and really happening. So we were initially, we we're just going to talk about the, the Solidarity March, but then this whole thing happened with the Iranian general. And uh, what made me think that we, you and I, should be talking about it is I got a, a, uh, an e-blast from Lubavitch Security, believe it, there is such a thing as Lubavitch Security, and got an alert that all Chabad houses around the world should now be watching their backs. So I figured that if that's the case, then you and I maybe might be, should be discussing what might be some of the things the Jewish community at large should be thinking about globally, especially with you in New York, as New York being such a target. So uh, what do you think, Michael? You're fading in and out, so it's uh, difficult uh, to hear. I hope that you can hear me. I can um, hear you perfectly. Oh, okay, that's better. Um, uh, yes, of course, the Jewish community around the world uh, is on alert, as the United States of America is, is on alert. Um, we are concerned. Uh, we've been through these things before. 
and God willing, uh, with uh, the assistance of law enforcement uh, in the New York metropolitan area, we'll get through this again. Um, but it is a um, an unknown threat, um, and fear of the unknown is one of the greatest fears that human beings can have. Um, but as I said before, we have um, unfortunately been through many terror threats uh, here in the New York area. We work very closely with the New York Police Department, with the FBI, and with other law enforcement agencies. Um, and uh, we are poised at this juncture to launch a whole new uh, Jewish uh, security program in New York. Um, we have one person on staff who is responsible for providing guidance to about 2,000 Jewish institutions in, in our catchment area, and uh, we are about to expand that to seven people, an additional six people. Uh, we have hired the number two person um, in the previous New York City mayoral administration in the New York Police Department uh, in the Intelligence Division uh, to be the director. is a, a, a Jewish fellow. His name is Mitch, C, uh, Mitch Silber, S-I-L-B-E-R. Um, and, in fact, he had an op-ed in the New York, printed in the New York Times uh, just yesterday um, in terms of what uh, is needed to be done to protect the Jewish community from the spate of, of anti-Semitism, which I'm sure is going to be part of our discussion as well. Indeed, indeed. Uh, is the JCRC, in light of events that happened in, with uh, the Iranian general, is the JCRC in New York suggesting anything different or stepped up or heightened from normal security measures, Michael Miller? <laughs> yes, uh, but I... I cannot tell you yet what that is going to be. Um, the, um, we're, we're doing two things at, at one time, which is not unusual, juggling a lot of balls in the air. And uh, as you refer to it as a massive rally the, on Sunday. Um, so right now, that's what the, uh, that's what the focus is. And um, that's what our attention is, is, is turned to. But before Shabbos, we hope to be able to get something out into the community um, it, it's similar, no doubt, to what um, Lubavitch sent out to its uh, shluchim um, around the world um, to uh, be vigilant. Um, I think that's the most important recommendation that we can make to Jewish individuals and Jewish institutions is uh, have your eyes open. Um, as, uh, as the motto goes here in New York, uh, if you see something, say something. Uh, the first thing you have to do is see it. Um, so we have to keep our eyes uh, wide open, our ears open as well, uh, to have a sense of uh, what's happening with, within uh, the, our, our perimeters. Okay, understood. Our guest today is Michael Miller from the Jewish Media Relations Council in New York City. So there's going to be this massive walk, uh, demonstration, rally um, in solidarity against anti-Semitism in New York City, the uh, what's what's the purpose of, of having a rally? What do you hope to accomplish by this, Michael? Um, our objective is to have, um, or the initial objective was to have the Jewish community stand very proudly and march and rally very proudly as Jews um, here in, in New York in light of. Um, this very, very troubling, disturbing, uh, painful 
series of anti-Semitic attacks uh, against members of our community. Um, and I, uh, what's happened is, is that it's mushroomed, uh, fortunately, thank God it's mushroomed. Uh, there's not only the Jews who want to march, but many of our non-Jewish um, partners and friends want to march as well. Um, I can't, uh, cannot tell you how many people are going to be there. Um, there's no RSVP, so it's just a matter of a sense. And having uh, been working here for a couple of decades, um, my sense is that it's going to be larger than smaller, uh, but it is uh, wintertime, and it is going to be uh, – uh, they're not forecasting precipitation, but they're forecasting uh, cold weather. Uh, so that's going to keep some people away, uh, but um, we're still talking about um, somewhere between 10 plus thousand uh, people coming to this thing. Um, all the top elected officials will be there for the march uh, across the. Uh, let me just describe it for you. Um, the uh, marchers are going to gather in Lower Manhattan um, and then march across the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, into Brooklyn because the vast majority of these anti-Semitic incidents, not all of them, but the vast majority have taken place in Brooklyn. Um, many of them have taken place in, in Crown Heights um, and uh, it was, uh, neighborhoods I'm sure you know well, um, as well as in, in Williamsburg uh, and some in Borough Park um, and elsewhere. But those three neighborhoods, particularly Crown Heights and Williamsburg, have been the focal points. That's why we want to have the uh, the program in, in Brooklyn. Uh, We're not going to have any elected officials uh, speaking at the program. We want the community to speak, um, and all different uh, se segments of the community are going to um, speak towards this. Um, and we um, are going to be there for about an hour, maybe a little bit more, um, and uh, listen to the voices um, on the mic uh, talking uh, about the importance of solidarity um, as, in the, as members of the Jewish community and our solidarity uh, against hatred and most importantly as well, our solidarity against fear. We, uh, this is the United States of America, and we should not be fearful to identify as Jews. Okay. I've been asked many times in the last couple of weeks, what do you uh, attribute to being the cause in, in this rise in anti-Semitic acts, Michael Miller? Um, well, that's uh, the uh, big question of the day. And if we had an answer to that, um, then we might be able to um, put an end to what's happening. But uh, we don't. Um, we don't really know uh, why. Uh, law enforcement uh, doesn't know why. Uh, usually what happens that uh, when there are anti-Semitic incidents and an arrest is made, it usually uh, stops um, the acts of anti-Semitism in their tracks. Uh, others are not going to do it. Uh, but that's not what, not, that has not been what's been happening uh, during uh, this series of, of attacks. Um, and, uh, and it's also very uh, interesting that there, this is not a, a, a anti-Semitic movement. We're not dealing with, as an example, uh, white supremacists. Um, we're, we're dealing with individuals. Many of them are members of minority populations um, who are engaging in, in these um, anti-Semitic uh, attacks. 
but one is really not connected necessarily to the other. Um, and as I said, the law enforcement, the New York Police Department, which has uh, probably the best hate crimes task force uh, in the country, the first and the best, um, uh, they, they have been working on these cases as they have in, in previous years. And previous years, they've uh, come up with reasons why. But we don't know. We, we, we could attribute it to a variety of factors, uh, but there is no uh, definitive answer to your question. Okay. Now, uh, you mentioned about people being arrested, and arrest, arresting people is no longer a deterrent. So okay. I'm reading about a new uh, new guidelines for posting bail in New York I don't know if it's the whole state or it's just New York City, where for crimes where uh, assault where no one was actually injured, the assailant, the perpetrator, may be released on uh, with no bail. And so what it seems is is that people are doing things. And then, like, there's this one woman I reported in the news. In five days, she assaulted three people before they finally put her in a psych, in a psych ward. Do you think that might be a con- uh, cont- contributing to this, Michael? I mean, there are those who believe that, that it does, um, but there's been no proof of that. Um, the the state bordering ours uh, in New Jersey, they've had that no cash bail law on the books, and there has not been, uh, other than the Jersey City um, attack, uh, which was a violent attack, and of course, uh, the per- they perpetrators there were were, uh, were killed. Um, uh, or, or neutralized, as they refer to it, um, the uh, there has not been a an uptick in, in anti-Semitic attacks in, in New Jersey as there has been in New York. So, uh, uh, is it a, a factor? Yeah, it, it may be a factor. Uh, but this this woman uh, was involved in one anti-Semitic attack of the three. Uh, the other two were were not anti-Semitic. Um, should uh, we have called, and if you please take a look at that op-ed by uh, Mitch Silber, um, we we have called on uh, government to uh, come up with new solutions for people who are mentally unstable. Um, to put somebody who is mentally unstable back on, on the street is no solution. Um, and it's not a matter of, of just locking him up in a, in a jail um, as opposed to some intervention uh, which uh, government should be responsible for. Uh, so it, it, it's it's a complex uh, issue, and we're looking at it very closely. I, I saw in the papers today that uh, the mayor of the city of New York, Mayor de Blasio, said that there some fixing needs to be done. Uh, and as an example, one of the exceptions to the no uh, cash bail could uh, could potentially be. Uh, hate crimes. Uh, we would. It's not an official position, but we we would likely support that. Uh, uh, others have said that the the law was passed uh, too quickly um, and needs uh, to be repaired. So uh, we hope that it's going to be repaired quickly, um, swiftly by the incoming session of the New York State uh, Legislature, which will be uh, taking um, uh, its seats again on uh, January the eighth. Um, so hopefully that'll be an issue we'll be taken up very quickly. Uh, but again, it may be a contributing factor, but it's not the central factor. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Our guest today again is Michael Milner. He's the director of the Jewish Community Relations Council in New York. We're talking about anti-Semitism in New York and the, the 
JCRC New York is part of one of the organizers of a massive rally, which is going to be on January, which is on January 5th, crossing the Brooklyn Bridge, which is very symbolic in and of itself. I like that very much. Uh, I reported on my news this week that New York City is launching three initiatives to combat anti-Semitism, a bigger police presence in Jewish neighborhoods, civilian watchdog groups, and educating school children. How effective, first of all, is New York City going to be in implementing those three? And second, how effective do you think those three, that three-pronged program will be in curbing or staving anti-Semitism in New York City, Michael Miller? I, I, well, thank you for the question. I, I hesitate to, to speculate. Um, the question is really – the answer to the question is, is really one of, of, uh, of will, of making it happen. Um, it's one thing for an elected official to say that this is what is being planned. is another thing to implement the plan. Um, if this plan is going to be implemented, uh, we would then hope that it would have an impact on, um, on, on attitudes uh, towards the Jewish community and attitudes – uh, towards uh, bigotry, bias, racism, uh, anti-Semitism, etc. Um, but uh, until it is implemented, I can't uh, reasonably, rationally project as to what the uh, impact is going to be. Um, you're, you're communicating uh, to me from uh, the an area of a, of a major city. Um, there's Detroit, and of course the. Uh, the suburban communities of Detroit where the, the Jewish community lives. Um, uh, I'm speaking to you from 34th Street in Manhattan, uh, and in New York City, uh, there are um, in excess of a million Jews, probably around 1.1 million Jews. Another population study is being conducted um, over the course of this uh, 2020. Um, and then we take into account Long Island and, and Westchester, another half a million Jews. So um, there are approximately 1.5 million Jews living uh, in this New York metropolitan area. Um, so the intersection of our Jewish community with the general community um, is, is quite significant. So will uh, these um, programs that have been uh, recommended by uh, the mayor to be implemented have an impact on our relationship with our non-Jewish uh, neighbors. Um, I hope so. I hope so. But more yet needs to be done. Uh, more needs to be done with uh, regard to, to juveniles. More needs to be done, as we talked about before, with regard to uh, those who are mentally unstable, uh, mentally ill. Uh, more needs to be done to provide education uh, to our young people. Um, hate, you're not born as, as a hater, um, hate is um, uh, is achieved. Uh, it's an achievement uh, is attained uh, through education. Uh, you you learn to be a hater. Uh, we want to make sure that our young people um, across the board uh, are um, schooled, are um, educated uh, as to uh, who we all are, what our history, certainly in terms of the Jewish community, are what our history has been. Uh, that includes uh, the period of the Shoah, includes the period of the Holocaust, um, and um, we 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 hope that we can sensitize uh, these young people and adults um, to 
what happens when there is unchecked, uh, unbridled hatred. Unbridled hatred uh, can lead, God forbid, uh, to, to genocide. Um, we've seen that um, in the previous generation, and, and uh, we will do everything that we can in, in Jewish leadership uh, to ensure that, God forbid, that it ever even uh, raises its hoary head uh, in, in, in our generation. Okay. Well, just one more quick question, or maybe a point, like just a comment you could comment on. Is about 35 years ago or so, the Lubavitcher Rebbe said that institute a moment of silence in school or a moment of self-reflection. We they've actually doing that in various um, close ring circ- suburbs in Detroit and having very good effect from what I've been talking to superintendents in schools of lower incidences of bullying and lower incidences of of, uh, of truancy and low, just a greater just general morale in the school. How do you, what do you think about instituting a moment of reflection in, say, like the New York City school system, Michael Miller? Um, again, an, an excellent question and uh, uh, likely a, a very worthy um, uh, project, uh, certainly if uh, Lubavitcher Rebbe uh, recommended it, uh, it has uh, worthiness just by virtue of where, of who recommended it. Um, uh, this is a, a school system with uh, over one million students in it. Um, to implement anything new uh, in in the school uh, system is is a challenge. I, I think at the biggest. A challenge to doing something like that. I mean, for instance, we have, um, I don't know if they're still doing it, they sort of did it in my day, even though I went to yeshiva, I didn't go to public school, um, of, of the, the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, so they stopped for the Pledge of Allegiance uh, to the flag of the United States of America, um, but would they potentially also pause for a moment of, of reflection? A lot of it depends on who the, the teacher is. Some teachers can't control a classroom under those circumstances, and some teachers um, just uh, might not be able to to control um, their their classes, but um, ultimately, I think that the uh, suggestion uh, or the methodology uh, is a very valid one. Uh, would it be halavai that um, members of our community and of all communities um, pause and and reflect uh, for a few moments um, every day um, and um, hopefully, uh, um, emerge from that uh, stronger and more morally um, uh, established, uh, founded. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe you can explain to uh, to me and to the listeners as to what the Rebbe had intended. Uh, but um, I think ultimately it would be a very valid way of approaching this uh, if it could be implemented. Okay, that's so cool. Okay, just very quickly, give the for people listening in New York, give us the details of this March rally oh, that's going you. on. Yeah, so we're asking people to gather at Foley Square, uh, which is in downtown uh, Manhattan, uh, near the courts, uh, around the corner from City Hall, um, Foley Square, and uh, from there we're going to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge uh, to Cadman Plaza. We're going to go to Cadman Plaza Park, and that's where the, the program is going to be held. Uh, what time are you asking people to uh, gather? Yeah, 11, 11 a.m. Um, for the march. Uh, if people cannot march and they feel that they just want to go to the program, the program is 
at um, approximately 1.30. It depends on how long it takes for us to get across the bridge. Understood. Okay. Michael Miller of the Jewish Community Relations Council of New York City, thank you so much for uh, taking time. And uh, I hope to call you next time. We'll have lots of good news to talk about. Bezrat Hashem. Okay. Thank you. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Why go to a hospital get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next, for your listening pleasure, this is Uri Davidi, Anachnu Muchanim. We are ready for Mashiach. Ki ani kvar po Od mitzvah achaktana Tifilayim lepatuach Veyavo hakez Zelakach alpishana Hine ze kvar batuach Nu lehikanez Velo lo lo yehiu Yotel tmaot Rak tiru nisim
Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Hey, Shulfin, and here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next, this is, I guess you could call it sort of klezmer-ish for those people who are expecting a klezmer song. It's it's sung in Yiddish, which I hope is uh, enough of a consolation. This is Shmuley Unger. The song is called Tati, which means father. Mir spielen nun schon 
with Shmuley Unger, Tate. Up next, for your listening pleasure, this is Divi Shapiro. This song is called This Is My Home. It's about Israel. We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community. And Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online 
at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Hey, Shulfenman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. This week, we are reading. We will be reading in the synagogue the portion of Vayechi. It is found in the portion in the book of Genesis, chapter forty-seven, till the end of the book. Next week, we're already in Egypt. The I want to talk about the end of the portion. The very end, even though the majority of the portion talks about. Jacob's last days. The last part of the portion, the last couple of verses, already after Jacob has passed away, and it describes Joseph. And Joseph lived to be 110 years old. And he got to see great-grandchildren, which sounds all very well and good, except when you put it into perspective because his father who led a really hard life lived to be 147 his grandfather 180 his great-grandfather 175 his brothers all outlived him he was one of the youngest and every one of his brothers outlived him and we could say we can point our fingers what are we going to point our fingers at well, I'm pointing my finger, so stress. He was running a country. What were the brothers engaged in? The brothers were engaged in being shepherds. What's the big deal? If you know anything about sheep, okay, sheep don't get excited. If you take a stick and you smack a sheep, which I don't recommend this, but what will a sheep do? It will go, and that's about it sheep just they're not there's not a whole lot to do when you're talking about sheep i think the the most stressful thing about being a shepherd is watching where you walk that would probably be about it so they and it talks about that the shepherds have this time they can sit and they can meditate they can think about god they have all you know it's just like it's the easy life whereas joseph Okay, so there's no famine going on. He doesn't have to deal with feeding a population for how many ever years he had to feed it. It says that there were going to be seven years of famine, but there really were only two because the whole purpose of the famine was to get Jacob to come down to Egypt. And once Jacob came down to Egypt, there's no reason to have the famine anymore. And so they just lived the high life after that. But Joseph was still Paro said. I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to be king. Anything that requires a royal edict will have to get my stamp of approval. But the day-to-day maintenance of the country, which involved the infrastructure, it involved the army, because there were several wars that were still good that Joseph perpetrated during his reign as viceroy. So all of that had to be taken care of, and that took a tremendous toll, you might say, on Joseph. And hence, he was only 110 years old when he passed away. What do I want to say about this? Joseph, let's look at it from two angles. Joseph is referred to in the books 
as Yosef Hatzadik, Joseph the righteous person. And indeed, when in last week's portion, Joseph reveals himself, himself, the brother and says, I'm Joseph. The brothers look at each other, it says, and like confused. They were, they were perplexed. What was the perplexion? How is it that a person could maintain their religiosity yet be involved with worldly matters? They were removed from the world. They were shepherds. They had it easy. They could do mitzvahs and learn Torah. They could do it. But how could a person running a superpower remain true to Torah ideals? So Joseph himself said, no, I've, I've done that. I'm like, he was the, the trailblazer because Jacob was a shepherd. Yitzchak was a shepherd. Yaakov, Abraham was a shepherd. Abraham actually was a hotel operator, but he didn't have to go very far. He had people doing it. He was just sort of like it was his, his name on the on the property, but he had people doing it for him. So all these people lived very easy lives that were quite, you know, secluded, sequestered. They could devote them time, their times to the pursuit of spiritual matters. Joseph didn't have that. But he maintained, if I were to put, say, Joseph versus a Levi as far as knowing, I would say if they're not comparable, then Joseph would have been better. I have no way of knowing. This is That would be total speculation, and I am wont towards punditry as to which brother was the smartest of all the brothers. But let's put it back into perspective. There's, there's this idea of what is a person going to consider important? And I don't know if Joseph did this or not, but it does say that Joseph lived such a short life because of the stresses of the job. We're told that a person should learn every single day, a little bit in the morning, a little bit at night. If you can stretch in a little bit in the day, it's also good. The idea being when one learns is that they should put away the cell phone. They should detach from the world around them. The time that a person spends engaged in davening and in prayer and in learning should be like Shabbos. Shabbos, it's like Agaret. It's just like absolutely obvious. The cell phone is turned off. It's put away. The world, I don't care what happens out there. For me, it's Shabbos. So it has to be the same thing also. When a person is davening, it's very hard, especially nowadays. Everybody's got an app on their phone with a prayer book on it, and you're standing there and you're praying to God, and suddenly a text pops up. It's, <laughs> it's a real challenge at that point. Because now what you have to do is you really have to engage. Even swiping the thing off your screen means you've acknowledged its presence and it's taken away from your, your, your focus. So, uh, I mean, if you're in a synagogue, you should for sure use a prayer book and put this, the, the cell phone away. Why do we have the app? Is, is if you're in someplace where there's no prayer book, you've gone to a, some kind of a function, 
It's getting late and it's dark. You've got to pull over and dive in the afternoon prayers. Okay, good, understood. But we see that it's, it becomes invasive. But it's an attitude thing that I don't have to wait until Friday night for Shabbos. I get Shabbos every morning when I do my prayers and afternoon and evening when I do my prayers. And for that time that I spend learning with others, with myself, by myself. It's Shabbos. What's happening out there is inconsequential. And that's the way that a person could be like a Levi or a Yehuda. That they could be involved if they needed to be and still stay connected and not feel the stress because you've got Shabbos every day. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We've got this awesome story. You really want to stick around for it. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Tribe, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? Just go to the donations. I want you to go to the donations page. Let's go to the contact me link that's found on the homepage of rabbifinman.com. That's the easiest, best way. If you're listening to the podcast right now on RabbiFinman.com, you don't want to do it right this second because it'll stop the podcast and you'll have to skivetch the little bar thing all the way over because it'll put you right back to the beginning. It won't pick up unless you have. You could do two tabs, for example. You could open up another tab with Rabbi Finman and, and then contact me while still listening to me tell you how to contact me. But RabbiFinman.com, right on the homepage, is contact me. You'll also find archived editions of the show. You'll find our archived editions and ways in which we convey Torah and Judaism and other means in the Eparsha, the Uparsha, the Hasidic Jew story. And as I mentioned before, the donations page. The donations, it's now the new year. We want to thank the people who stepped up to the plate. You guys did it. You came through with December. We are at this point, um, we're, we're doing really well as far as paying off the debt from the Jewish hour, and we're working that well down, and we're continuing, and we're going to be this way in this mode. The podcast is growing by leaps and bounds. I see every week that more and more people are listening to the podcast, and we appreciate it. And you've gotten now, you've gone now 50 minutes into the show. You've liked it so much. If you didn't like it, you would have clicked off by this point. So go to RabbiFinman.com, do the donation thing. Make it a monthly, that way you don't even have to think about it. If you have a set up a PayPal account, it's all very safe and secure. Would you like to and prefer to send a check or some other negotiable currency towards the Jewish Hour? No problem. Just send that in a proper mailing receptacle with the proper postage to the Jewish Hour. 1725, that's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, P-I-N-E-C-R-E-S-T, Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. The story I heard this past week was Hey Teves. It marks the anniversary 
of a Brooklyn Superior Court justice declaring that the books in the library adjacent to the Lubavitch World Headquarters belong to Lubavitch Headquarters, meaning Agudas Hasidic Chabad, and not to any specific individual who had claim of them because their grandfather was the previous Lubavitch Rebbe. And this day is celebrated in among Hasidim with a day of great celebration. And in Detroit, so they brought in Rabbi Yitzhak Wolf, who is in charge of Cheder Lubavitch Chicago. It's an elementary school. And we sat and we talked until it started at 8 o'clock, and we sat and we talked until 1 o'clock in the morning. A good time was had by all. Rabbi Wolf told a story of something that happened in Chicago maybe 45 years ago is when it started. There was a reform rabbi, and maybe there is a reform rabbi in Chicago. I don't know. He didn't say what state of existence the reform rabbi was. Whose daughter was sent off to university, didn't say which university, but came back with somebody she was interested in getting married to. And this someone who was she was interested in getting married to wasn't Jewish. But the reform rabbi father didn't mind, probably even did the wedding. This uh, person, I don't even know what you call him, John, at this point, he didn't say a name. So John was a very, uh, a very intelligent person. And he engaged his father-in-law in philosophical discussions. And he was very impressed with philosophy of Judaism and decided, told his father-in-law, I want to convert to Judaism. I want to be a Jew. The father-in-law said, no problem. We do this all the time. Gave him a couple of books to read. Had to write a paper. Why do I want to be Jewish? They had a whole ceremony. They got a certificate suitable for framing. Voila, he's Jewish. Now, he said John was very smart. And months go by, and he's still continuing to learning, and he sees it's not doing it. He doesn't want to be a Reformed Jew. So he figures, he'll go up a step. He'll go to conservative. And he found a conservative rabbi. And they accepted him in the program. And after a period of time, he had to read some books and he had to write some papers. And he declared his allegiance to, to God. I think he may have even gone to the mikvah, to the ritual bath. And they gave, made a ceremony and gave him a piece of paper suitable for framing. And he's now a conservative Jew. Some time goes by. I have no idea what the length of time is. And he realizes it's still missing something. So he opened up a phone book and looked up in the yellow pages. For people who don't know what phone books are, they used to publish these things that were dropped off on our door once a year. And it had in it the numbers of all the people who had phones. It was really pretty cool. It was all alphabetized. And you could like open up the phone book. And if you needed to know somebody's phone number, you would find their name and you could get their phone number. This was like, yeah. And then they had a section called the Yellow Pages, which was listed by business. So if you wanted a certain type of a business, if you wanted a plumber, you'd look under PL for plumber, and then it was alphabetized by names, and you could get yourself a plumber by looking in the phone book. It's amazing that I have to explain this, because there are people out there who have phones that don't know what a phone book is. <laughs> they, don't even, I, <laughs> they don't even deliver them anymore. Not, they don't exist. Anyway, uh, so he looks at the phone book, pulls out the yellow pages, looks up synagogues, orthodox. The first one is B'nai Reuven. began with a B. 
So fine, good. This is as good as anyone. This is most, how most people did things in the phone book. You picked the first one that was right there. That's why you had plumbers that were called AAAAA plumbing services. So they get right up at the top. Anyway, so um, he calls up and he requests to speak to the rabbi, Rabbi Herschel Schusterman of blessed memory. Comes the Rabbi Schusterman. And uh, Rabbi Schusterman takes a look at him. And he says, well, why do you want to be Jewish? He says, I'm not really happy with it. He says, you know, you got a good life the way you are. There's seven mitzvahs that you do. When you live in the neighborhood where you live, you could live anywhere you want. You don't have to do 613 commandments. You don't need to be Jewish. Go away. And he kicked him out. The guy was offended. And just like, but a year and a half went by. And this man, and Herschel Schusterman, Rabbi Schusterman, got a call. The man is this, it's John. He wants to be Jewish. Why? We're talking now like 1976. He's been diagnosed with cancer. He has three months to live. And he really wants to die as a proper Jew. Schusterman was like, like ready to bust a gasket. He said, I convert people to live as Jews, not die as Jews. I'm not converting you. Leave me alone. The man, I don't know how he knew about it, but the man said, I'm going to talk to your boss. And he sent a letter to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Lubavitcher Rebbe said something very interesting. He responded to him. He said, go back to Rabbi Schusterman and tell him, Ger Geyer Dami, that in Judaism, a convert, when they finish the conversion process, is considered like a brand new person, like a baby who was just born. And indeed, converts consider their birthday in Judaism, as the day that they finished their conversion process. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, that's not just a figure of speech. And it's not just a spiritual thing, but it's a physical thing as well. And the Rebbe blessed him with long life. And the John converted, and he lived another 20 years. That's going to do it. We hope you had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.